Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Scoop B Radio. On your airwaves, on the plane, on the train. At the house, everywhere you need to be. I am Brady Scoopy Robinson. Make sure to follow me on Twitter at Scoop B, Instagram and Snapchat at Scoop underscore B, and make sure, most importantly, that you subscribe to the Scoopy Radio Podcast, which is available on all podcasting networks, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, TuneIn App, Stitcher App, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or simply by visiting ScoopBRadio.com, mentioned everywhere from Forbes to Fox News to Bleach Report Complex, everywhere. And on the phone right now is a guy who's global. New York City streetball legend, New York City through and through, and now you can find him on Australia television in the NBL network. It's none other than Corey Homicide Williams. Sir, welcome to Scoopy Radio. Scoopy, how you doing, my brother? Doing good, man. I haven't seen you since we played in that celebrity basketball game a couple of years ago in Brooklyn. <laughs> it's been a while, man. Um you know how I go with basketball. Summertime brings us all together. We have a strong community. But, you know, in the winter, fall in the winter, a lot of us disperse and go to their respective pocket in the globe, wherever it is. And for me, fortunately, right now, it is Australia, the land of Oz. Yeah. You you have, um, you and I will contact each other. Then when I write a story, it's getting viewed. So, uh, you... Um, I've been around basketball in, in Australia this year, and Mellow Ball uh, has, has has monopolized a ton of attention globally. Uh, what do you make of his season uh, in the NBL this year? I think for me, um, it, it, it's I just want to be clear early. When he first came here, I was not a fan. They came on our show. He and RJ Hampton both came on our show, and. <clears throat> I immediately understood the level of our league, our league, because I work here, meaning the NBL. I understood that it is a, a global league. It is world-renowned now. It has um, high-level competition with the imports and the locals. Mm-hmm. It's a global league, and it's highly respected. So I 
did not believe in Mellow Ball. I did not even know R.J. Hampton. I only knew Mellow Ball because of his dad and his brother. You know, we're from New York. I really don't believe in highlights, you know, and if I don't see it with my own eyes, I don't believe it, quite frankly. I don't care who's saying what because everybody was saying this kid can go. He's better than his brother, blah, blah, blah. I don't believe in hype. You know, we're from New York. You got to show me. So I immediately gave him the business. Like, I grilled him. I asked him. My first question was, what's the top three-point guards in this league? This league, meaning the NBL. They were only able to name me one. And I slapped the table. You <clears throat> do your homework. You think this is a game. Dudes out here play, paying mortgages, paying child support, got families to feed. You think they're going to let a little 17-year-old kid come in here and get their rep off? You got another thing coming. This ain't a cupcake league. That's how I pressed them. I wanted them to know early. First game he played, played against the defending champion. It was preseason in Tasmania. The defender that's guarding him is six-time defensive player of the year. So this guy is the guy I gauge import players on, Damian Martin, six-time champion, six-time defensive player of the league. He is a dog. Australian Patrick Beverly, a la. Mellow Ball had 18 points, 12 rebounds, seven assists, four steals, and one in overtime. I said I just watched the number one pick in the draft. He made me a believer from there. He went on to finish this season averaging 17, seven and a half, and seven. This was his first year playing pro. For a kid to do this, I knew then. And to be honest with you, he could average a triple-double. I honestly believe that. He was on the last place team, so the players weren't that good. He was dropping downs left and right. He got guys that couldn't even finish. So I envisioned in my head watching him play with the mid-level team in the NBA. You got shooters that are going to knock down wide open threes. You got athletic bigs that are going to finish. And you can dribble one or two times and get an assist in the league. This kid is a generational type of point guard. He reminds me of Penny Hardaway, that type. And Mm. he's only going to get better. Listen to me. I am hardly impressed. I'm not impressed easy. This kid right here, in the last two games he played, it was two triple-doubles. Then his foot got messed up, and he had to get shelved. He played 12 games. I saw enough to know this kid is the number one pick in the draft. Uh TNT's Kenny Smith uh, talked about uh, LaMelo Ball uh, playing in the NBL over the NCAA and why it may not have helped his game. And he said, in quote, it might hurt him as a competitor. You're jumping from a league that probably isn't as competitive as college basketball and without as many great coaches. What you miss when you don't go to college is the fact that you're not playing Uh, More more specifically, Kenny said they develop great games for you and you have to adjust. It's a learning curve that he's missing. Great players adjust, but I think he'd have been able to adjust to the NBA style better if he'd gone to college. Um, You being around, Mello, what say you about Kenny's assessment? With all due respect to Kenny Smith, he's been in this game forever. NBA champion, leader point guard, shooter, two champs, 
two-time champion with Houston. You don't know what he's talking about on this. Why would you not want a player to go pro and learn and get thrown in the boot camp and learn against grown men? What's college going to teach him for a couple of months that pro can't? Come on, man. This is boot camp. This is basically his rookie season. Tell me a point guard right now that's better than him who was in college. It ain't Cole Anthony. I'll tell you that. Hmm. Who else? Who, who, are you, who are you gauging him off of? One kid, that's a flat-out dog. Anthony Edwards from Georgia. That's a two-guard. Tell me a point guard right now better than Melo Ball in college. I can't think of anybody right now, but let me ask you a question. Do you think the fact that the NCAA tournament has not has not happened and it's not showcasing college athletes, that this gives Milamelo an upper hand because he's played in a league this year? You know, guys had four months before the tournament. Right. Who showed you what in those months? True. Who showed you what? Look, I'm not over there. I'm going off of what the consensus mock draft drafts are showing, okay? Who did what in college at the point guard position better than Melo Ball? I'll wait. <laughs> What's Kenny Smith talking about, man? You trying to tell me you wouldn't want a kid to go into pro first? And get thrown in with wolves, and let's see how you would just then. Right. Is he going to school for four years? That makes more sense if you're talking about a kid going to college for four years. Three years. This kid is going for four months. And yeah, some, that already he's on the AAU circuit. Some draft, my drafts have LaMelo going five overall with – James Wiseman going one. He's a center. He's seven foot one, so understandably so. Right. He's Anthony Davis light. Um, you right. look at the, you look at number two. Uh, some are saying Anthony Edwards. Uh, they're calling him a bigger Victor Oladipo. Um, Oladipo, right? Third, they're saying Obi Toppin. Uh, they're saying a stronger Drew Gooden or Amari Stoudemire comparison. Then you look at four. You look at Onyeka. Okungu, uh, who they're saying could be and Bam Adebayo or Tristan Thompson. Then five, they're saying Lamelo, who is a six-seven Jason Williams. Okay, so let's talk about this. Any point guards they said prior to him? No. There you go. What's Kenny Smith talking about? How can you get better than that if they ain't named no other point guards before him? The next point guard they're saying could go eighth is Killian Hayes. And then R.J. Hampton, and then okay. Tyrese Halliburton. That's cool, but again, all those other guys. I'm talking point guard. No, I got you. No, I'm all talking those about other guards. Those are the point guards that what? you're saying. But number the hey, first so. point guard mentioned in the Mondrav is Lamelo Ball. There we go. It's still a win. Do you know what he was ranked before the NBL? Coming into the NBL, he was ranked like 46. Then he went as high as number one. It's higher than that. Nobody, you name, you didn't even name any other point guards before him. How is this a comment? What is Kenny Smith talking about? He stated his opinion, and I figure 
you know, you were being in, in Australia. Um, I know what I saw. You, you, you have a front row. You being Australia, you had a front row seat. However, I think that many people, I don't, I can't speak to how much Kenny Smith watched LaMelo this season, but what I can. He don't even watch the NBL. I can guarantee you he's never seen the NBL. His first triple-double, okay, at home. He did it in front of the GM of the Charlotte Bobcats, okay? 24 at about 13 and 12. You know who was guarding him? Who? You know who was guarding him? Scott Machado. Yep. Runner-up MVP. He didn't do it against a bum team. They made playoffs. And Melo won. You understand what I'm saying? He didn't do it in front Scott Machado finished the season last year with the Lakers. A superstar guard, majority of the year he played in the G League. Okay? And then he finished with LeBron in the Lakers. So he did it against an NBA player. What is Kenny Smith talking about? (laughs) All these NBA scouts are wrong? He didn't even see the kid play. This is a world-class league. This is what I'm saying. What is he talking about? What is he basing his knowledge and what he's saying in terms of mellow ball on in this in this situation? What is he basing it on? That's a good question. I got to ask Kenny. Do you understand what I'm saying? What is he basing it on? Yeah. Who else did this? Who else did this? Corey Homicide Williams on the line with Scoopy, Scoopy Radio. Radio. Corey, tell me something. Talk to me. LaMelo Ball supposedly had a $100 million sneaker contract offer, a plane offer, and more. Does that sound like Puma? You know, for me, um, I look at it like this, right? How many companies is moving like that right now? Who was the first company to offer a player that? And the player in the NBA that had that offer first. Thank you. I back it up. No, Reebok offered LeBron that deal first. Really? Really? Okay. Reebok offered LeBron that same deal. You understand what I'm saying? So, okay, it could be potentially Reebok. It could be potentially Puma. He was on the Puma jet. You know, there's a conversation that began. I'm not saying anything is signed, but I'm just telling you that I know for a fact you know, Jermaine Jackson, Mello, they sat down with Hope. Corey, you still there? I'm still here. He got quiet. You said they sat down with Jay-Z? No, they sat down. Okay. You know, as everybody saw, a lot of people may have saw, may have missed, you know, they posted in the air with the jet, on the jet, on the point of jet. Conversations have began. But you're not posting nothing like that if you're not on the jet. You know, these guys don't front. They, 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 they come from money. You know what I mean? Like, big ball of bread is as strong as ever. Though people, a lot of people knock it. You know what I mean? Like, it's, <laughs> it's relevant. So it's not like these are, you know, a poor inner city kid. That typical story. That's not mm-hmm. that. Mm-hmm. You know, so... um. You know, I think uh, if it's me, you know, what what Jay-Z has done, he and his team, Rock Nation, title, you know, the countless other 
things that they have going on at Columbia University, what they just began, you know, those seminars starting up there, you know, the schools that he's done. Um, what I, I really love, respect, and appreciate is the fact that Hove has wealth. He has generational wealth. He has um, fuck you money. And what I mean by that is he doesn't need anybody to dictate what he wants to do. That's the leader, and he's empowering his own. He's empowering others. We got the bag. Now we want to ensure that, you know, we spread the wealth. We got ours. We're not doing this for the sake of being greedy. Me, me, me. No, it's we. And we're going to empower everybody else as long as they're in a position to empower themselves. And that's how you change the narrative. You know, it, 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 it took, what, two generations to get a J. You know what I mean? It's two generations to get a LeBron. These guys are, these men, these leaders of our communities in the world need to be protected. We need to protect them. Because they nobody else going to empower us but us. Not in the manner that they're doing. Tyler Perry, these people are to be protected. So when you look at it from, you know, from, from that aspect of what they're doing, how they're moving, black excellence is evolving. God, I love it. You know, and, and that's what I'm going to say about that. Here's my question for you. If someone like LaMelo Ball were to sign with Puma, how would that change the face of the brand? I personally believe that is the most famous and influential young 18-year-old we've ever seen in sport. I think he's a guard. I think he, he, uh, his image is official. I think he carries himself extremely well. He's really mature for his age. And he got five million followers. Real followers. This is a legitimate he's like a Michael Jackson of basketball. He's like a a, a Kardashian but has, he has talent. And that ain't no disrespect to the Kardashians. This kid is famous because he's nice and bad at a young age of six, seven with games. Right. Most most players who who sell a shoe are guards. Yeah. He's a guard. You understand what I'm saying? So you align him with the brand like Rock Nation? Puma? How are you gonna lose? You got music and entertainment and then you got this young this young with that type of energy and, and influence and muscle behind him and his own brand and following, how is he going to move? That's an incredible start. All you can ask for is the right people behind you. Your camp strong pushing you. That would be monumental. I mean, think about what Puma has done at this point. The Puma family, and I don't even know the Puma family all the way. I really don't. But I'm just saying, if Hope is on it, 
you got to know whatever he touch, it, it is gold. The way they moving and the way that they're on, whatever he touch going to hit, especially when it comes to the culture, pushing the culture forward. It's going to hit. You get a if young kid like this, come on, B. If that were to happen, mm-hmm. if that deal were to come to fruition, game changer. If Reebok signs LaMelo Ball, what do they get? I think that uh, Reebok get all of that as well. And then, you know, there's things where you have a guy like an OG, like AI. There's a lot to be learned from AI in that situation. I think there'll be a lot of influence from there. Because also, Jermaine Jackson was uh, influenced by Allen Iverson as well. They played together when he was in Philly. You know, so I know that's his OG as well. So there's a lot of influence for this kid and game-changing individuals. With these both respective brands, for this kid to be put in a position to do extremely well. I don't know anybody that's taking an offer like that. You mentioned guards selling sneakers. Uh, Shaq is a big man. Uh, did sell sneakers recently on the Scoopy Radio podcast, talking about everything under the sun. What kind of influence does Shaq have on Australia? I think Shaq is the same influence Shaq has on the rest of the world. Shaq is an icon. Whenever your name can be one word, you know you've done extremely well in this world as far as your influence. Um, I listened to the interview and the podcast with you and the great one. And um, it was awesome. You know, he's a he's a ball of energy. Uh, it wasn't released yet, but I can tell you that Shaq was scheduled to come June for a week to do a three-city tour in Australia with Latro Financial and our group. It was the Shaq tour, and I was going to be a host and Q&A for the three-city tour. So I was going to be with Shaq for the whole week, which obviously was not going to happen. It's going to be pushed back uh, later in the year. So I was extremely excited and honored to be able to break bread with a, a cultural icon that has broken through and broken so many barriers. And it was refreshing to hear your interview with him. And uh, I was just really looking forward to um, sitting down and talking with him. But um, you definitely uh, did a, cr- a great job interviewing him. Um, Shaq, Shaq's a beast, man. You know, um, for a man that has it all, he does not stop working. And that is the most respectable thing, period, in him. His work ethic is unreal. And uh, it's nothing but respect for Shaq. Shaq's a DJ, man. Shaq's fun out. Shaq's, a, Shaq's one of my favorite people in the world. Mm-hmm. Corey Homicide Williams on the Scoopy Radio podcast talking everything Australia to American to uh, everything in between. Uh, for those paying attention, he's best known for his time spent in the Australian National Basketball League, uh, where he earned MVP honors in 2010 with the Townsville Crocodiles. Uh, Rice High School alum, I almost went there. Oh, word. You missed out on greatness, man. Where did you end up going? <laughs> Don Bosco Prep High School in New Jersey. Uh, sorry about that. No, it's all good. I enjoyed my time. Football, it was a football school, but I, but I have great love for Rice uh, as well. My family were, were business owners in Harlem uh, since the 60s, so I'm very well aware of, of, of the legacy that Rice has. 
and uh in, in New York City. So I I I uh anytime I see rice I get I, I, I respect anybody when I see that on their on their um on their resume. I had a cousin who went to Rice. Oh word. Yeah, um that school uh changed my life and many others. Um I never I didn't have an opportunity to go to a major division one university. Mm-hmm. Um like the Dukes, like, you know, Stanford. UCLA, North Carolina. I did not understand brotherhood and how how the importance is of family at a school and alumni. And regardless of what year you graduated, you could have graduated Rice High School today. You are my little brother. We are family. Until I graduated Rice High School, um, it was just an incredible feeling, waking up every day, putting on your clothes, going to rice. You know, growing up, uh, those are, I consider high school, 13 to 17, 14 to 18, critical years of a young man, especially growing up in New York. And the things you can be influenced by, peer pressure, it can change your life. And I fortunately... You know, found my love and obsession for the game at a young age, and you know, I was proud of going to that school. So I understood. We woke up, got dressed, jumped on the train, went to school. When school was done, you had study hall. After study hall, you go to practice. After practice, train, eat, home, repeat, games on the weekend. That was my regimen. So right. when you have that regimen, you have discipline. You need to pass your classes to play. You want to play well to get a scholarship. You got to be focused because that ain't guaranteed. Plus, right, high school, everybody's nice and ball. So the, com- the competition every day was crazy. Mm-hmm. There's so many ball players in Rice. My junior year, I had to play varsity B. I didn't even make the 18 my junior year. How many schools had a varsity B? You understand what I'm saying? Like, that's how much talent. Was it right? My senior year, I played varsity A. You know what I'm saying? I played one year varsity A. Mm-hmm. You know, so um, it, it, it made me appreciate the game. I had a chip on my shoulder. I wanted to prove to everybody that, you know, um, they were wrong, and I'll prove you wrong. That's the I'll show you mentality. Got stronger and stronger. Mentally, I got stronger. You can't rely on nobody else. It's just about you. You know, so I left. New York City, jaded and and focused to show them and prove them wrong. I'd go to JUCO. Two years, I'd become first-team All-American with a Division II JUCO. We won the championship my June, my, uh, my first year, my freshman year, and my sophomore year, we lost in the championship. I received all of these honors, ended up going to a HBCU. I went to Alabama State University, Division One. My junior year, average 15. You know, so my senior year, my coach, we lost a whole lot of games early. My coach benched the seniors and was like, I might as well get the freshmen ready. And that's how I went out, averaging like 10 a game my senior year. No looks, no help, no nothing. But I was better. I graduated with my degree in criminal justice, thank God. My mother, I said, Ma, I want to play pro. She said, look, do whatever you want to do. Just graduate. I said, I got you. And I specialized in juvenile justice. Because I was lucky. 
I had an opportunity to go to college for free, and I was passionate about something early. Everybody don't play ball. Everybody doesn't find their passion early. Everybody's not obsessed with something at an early age to make them stay on the straight and narrow for the most part. So if we're taught by most, most universities and most high schools and middle schools, we're taught by people that do not look like us. So unfortunately, the message does not stick with majority of the youth <clears throat> in these classes. How do you know what's what? You don't come from where I come from. Shit you say ain't resonating with me. That's the stubborn kid that looked like us. Right. That's what we're going to say to a teacher that does not look like us or come from where we come from. So I, once I studied deeper in the criminal justice, criminal law, you know, criminal psychology, all of these classes I'm taking, I didn't want to be a lawyer. You know, I was like, look, if hoop don't work out, I want to be like an FBI agent, ATF agent. I was watching movies thinking, you know, I'm going to be fucking, <laughs> you know, free. You know, I'll buy like 500 kilos, you know, making big busts and stuff like that, like in the movies. But um, the more I studied, the more I understood that, yo, most kids come from broken homes or abusive homes and you're in, in the city, which leads them into finding the brothers in the corner to hang with and consider them family. Right. Next thing you know, you're doing a game, not knowing. So you're going for love. And you think that's the influence at that young age, which the decision-making is altered in a negative way. You know, your heroes are guys doing illegal activity because that's what you see. So I figured... I'm not going to play ball. I may as well become a positive influence in my community with this degree and reach kids, high-risk kids at that age group and talk to them. Because if I can make it from my hood in the Bronx and make something out of myself, I should be able to carry that message and talk to you before you fuck your life up. Straight like that. No chaser. And it takes you know, someone who's passionate about changing the mindset of the youth and young adults and putting them on the right road, but they need to see more people that look like them. That's the only way you're going to influence the culture because everybody ain't going to be no rapper on a fucking Instagram model. That ain't reality. You understand what I'm saying? They could be a lot of Scoop B's and Corey's. You know what I mean? That's just the reality of the situation. And, you know, again, each one teach one. So that was my mentality. So back to basketball, I graduate, I come home, I'm in a dorm, and I'm reading Slam Magazine in my dorm. I'm like, oh, I don't know nobody that did this personally. And I'm just reading magazines like, all right, what now? I want to play ball. I'm going to make pro. I don't know how, but I'm going to make pro. I'm reading Slam, and they talking about Rucker Park. I'm like, fuck, uh, I guess I got to try this. Now, mind you, I left Rice in 95. I graduated in 2000. My body's different. My mind is different. But I'm still like, I'm going to prove you wrong. All you players that I saw when I left Chassa and Rice, I didn't give a fuck if you McDonald American. I don't <laughs> care what school you went to. I am going to prove you wrong. I'm going to catch you, 
and I'm going to bust your ass. That was it. Come home. Summertime. I wrote down a list of all these players who's supposed to be, you know, the guys, the names, the reputations. And I put a list down. And I said, I'm going to find all of these guys one by one. And I'm going to kill them. Like, I'm going to kill them. You know, you know, you know. I'm going to kill them. I'm going to destroy them. Of course, yeah. I felt like I'm going to go to every park in every borough. Whatever park is popping, I'm going to just walk in. Nobody's going to know me. And whoever the man is, he don't really guard anybody tough because he's the man. Everybody want to really see him score and get busy that way. And everybody in the gym on his dick already because he is who he is. So why do I need to deal with the other nine players in the gym? I'm going to go to him. I'm going to pick them up full court. I'm going to turn them three times before we cross half. And then I'm going to lock his ass down in the, in the half court set. Then if he don't want to guard me, which he shouldn't, because he's going to be like, this kid ain't nobody, whatever. I'm going to go tell my man to set a screen on his man. Now he's got to guard me. And that's how I bust his ass. Then I pick him up, repeat, day over. We play as many games in that park <laughs> as I have to to bust his ass. And everybody else respect me after I bust his ass because everybody <laughs> on his dick in the park. Right. I had to do that for years because guess what? You want to fight Mayweather. You think you're going to fight Mayweather the first fight? Get the fuck out of here. Mayweather don't care about you. Who are you? I'm on the top. You better beat all these other guys first before I even think of you, which means it wasn't one year. It took me to get to everybody. It took a couple of years. You know, I started getting bullshit jobs and bullshit opportunities playing. You know what my first paying job was? Who was my first paying job? Who was your first paying job? I was a, I was a, I was a New York National. That's the team that lost every day to the Globetrotters. <laughs> I need you to understand that. That was my first job. That shit ain't even a basketball. But guess what? That's equivalent to that Hollywood star that had to wear that chicken suit and hand out flyers at first. That's equivalent to the mixtape artist in Times Square asking you, could you buy my CD and give me a donation? That's what I had to do. Everybody's path is different. So when I would get on the court, I took this shit serious because I knew my current situation ain't going to be my final destination. This might be me today, but guess what? This ain't going to be me 20 years from now. Right. I needed the park. I needed that park in a way nobody needed to park because you can't tell me a player that got a shot from the park to the NBA. Guys that were nice in New York, they didn't need the park. They went to college and did their thing. You understand what I'm saying? They had a park rep, but they didn't need it. Steph, icon, he didn't need the park. Skip, icon, he didn't need the park because he went to Fresno State and got drafted. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Sham didn't need the park. The park built him, but he went to Providence. Killed. I drafted. You know, Smush didn't need the park. He didn't need West Fork. That was his home. But he went to Fordham. Went in the free agent camp and got, to, and, and, and got on. Nobody needed the park like I needed the park to jumpstart a whole career. Different, different mentality. Knowing you get on this court 
You can get your ass bust. Your career is done. Whatever you think you got as, as a career. Scoop done. Radio. What type of mindset is that? It's me and you. It ain't going to be me. Corey, I'm a type of mindset. No, I'm, I'm with you on that. Different. 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 Let me ask you something. Tell me the all-time winning is basketball player in the NBA. Who got the most chips? Bill Russell. Motherfucking right. Tell me the most winningest. Tell me the scoring champ in the NBA. Who got the most points scored in the fucking NBA? Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. Goddamn right. You are a student <laughs> of the game. Tell me the, the player with the most championships in streetball. I don't know. Motherfucking right, because nobody gives a fuck. This is the New York Corey coming out. So my my mindset was this. I'm going to pick. Nobody knows me. Nobody ain't giving me no props or respect. Great. This is how you catch them. You don't jump on the team that's fat. You jump on the team that ain't that good. Why? I'm going to get the ball. I'm going to shoot as much as I want. How how, how is that going to match up? How can you get the attempts on a team that's fat? Versus me on a team that's mediocre, but I can shoot 30 times. Minimum, I'm finishing the game with 30. On a good day, it's 40. If I'm rolling, 50. You understand what I'm saying? So if I'm not going out in street ball tournaments looking to get wins, because nobody cares about wins, they care about that dude that had 40, 50. That's what they're talking about. That's New York. So that was my mindset. That's why I was able to kill dude. That's why it was easy to give Ron Artest 27 points. They see him the next summer, 42 in Pro City. The year I averaged 40 in Pro City. Then him chasing me down two days later at Together We Chill Tournament, give him another 25. Corey, tell me something. What's up? You talked about Ron Artest for those who were young. Yeah, they know him as Metal World Peace. You guys, there's about a two-year age difference. Did you? He went to LaSalle uh, Academy in Manhattan. You went to you went to Rice. Did you guys play against each other in high school? No, um, no, uh, I didn't. I was playing varsity B when he played varsity. Okay. And I yeah, I was playing varsity B when he played varsity. And my senior year, I don't know, I don't know, um, I okay. don't know what happened. He, or if we did, or or if we did, or if we did, I don't remember because he was a he was young and a baby. Then Shanball was the man at the back, right? And I was the player that Sham indefinitely got into the McDonald All American game. Sham gave up forty, and I was I had the daughter, so he gave me all that forty.
Yeah, I ran into him uh, in February in, in, in Chicago during the All-Star weekend, and he was doing some stuff with Puma. And, uh, you know, I like the position. Doing incredible things. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Doing incredible things, empowering the youth in Harlem, about to build a school, you know, always giving back. You know, a Puma ambassador, got his own shoe, don't even play no more. That's iconic in itself. Got a whole clothing range in itself. That's iconic in itself. Transitioned extremely well after the game. Yeah. Rock Nation, Puma Rev, nothing but respect. You, Ron Artest recently uh, named his top 10 toughest players he's ever guarded. Uh, he did not mention you. You started talking about um, playing against him in street ball. What were you guys' matchups like? Um, they were they were they were incredible. Um, the toughest game I played uh, in my life at that point um, the, was uh, was run on test. You know, I done I done touch plenty of NBA players that that have come to the park. 40s, 30s, you know, I, I done touched a lot of dudes in that part. But he was defensive player of the year. It was 05. It was defensive player of the year. Ron Artest. Um, it was Indiana Pacer, Ron Artest. And this specific summer, played against Tony Rosa and his team up at Rucker, and that, that was FUBU. I played with Don Diva. Shout out to Block Fluid, which is the home team in Harlem. It was myself and Bone Collector in the backcourt. And um, they brought Ron Artest for me. We played them in the regular season. I gave them about 35. And they're like, yo, like, we need somebody to stop them. We're going to beat them in the playoffs. So Ron Artest shows up in the park. And for me, you know, it's, yeah, you, you you kill a lot of NBA guys when they come to the park. Yeah, you kill regular street ball guys. But where you're trying to go to, you know, this is what it's about. What are you going to do when a marquee star in the NBA comes? Not only a marquee star, but a defensive player of the year. The best defender in the world. And he's a New Yorker, so you know the type of D he's going to play. Six seven, wiry, strong as an ox. And a New York mentality already. What you going to do today? Block my shot a couple of times. Pick my pocket. Start talking shit. I finished the game with 27. I got MVP of Rucker because of that performance. And we ended up losing by two. The double team started coming. I could not believe what I saw. I was so frightened and shocked in disbelief. As soon as I about to make a move, the double came. I kicked it real quick like, oh, shit, what the fuck? Because this is the defensive player of the year in the NBA. Why would he need a double? Mentally, that took me to a whole nother level. And words spread like crazy. You know, it was even um, factual. It was said. In that game, it was a timeout. Like, I went by him, I crossed. He reached, I crossed. I went to the basket and dunked that shit so hard, the basketball hit the, hit the court when it came out of the rim, how I dunked it so hard. Boom! And it spiked and it popped all the way up. Tony Rosa calls timeout. Crowd going crazy, right? Right. 
And he goes and he says, yo, who is this guy? Tony Rhodes is like, yo, that's homicide. Don't worry about that. We got to win this game. Like, just, this guy talking wrong. Ron is like, yo, who the fuck is this guy? Man, that's homicide. Don't worry about that. We need to win this game. They ended up winning by two. But that was the game that mentally not only signed me to the sneaker deal K1X, the company he was with. That was the company I ended up getting my sneaker deal with globally in Foot Locker International. They made the 187, which is police code for homicide. And he was with K1X as well. We was with K1X together. So after that game, that made me realize nobody in the world one-on-one could guard me if the defensive player couldn't. Next year, come back. That was, the, that was the last playoff game. I come back. We play J.R. Smith, Dante Jones, Kenny Satterfield, Big Strick, God bless the dead, and Allie Monk. I finished that game with 47. Those two games got me the shot directly to Toronto Raptors. Right. At that point, that was on NBA TV, both of those games. Mm -hmm. And at that point, Jim Todd came to see me play at Dykeman because he heard about Everybody heard about this shit. And Jim Todd came to see me, who was the assistant coach of Toronto. That was the year they drafted Charlie Villanueva. So they both had the gate at Dykeman. I had 25 at half against Team 914. Everybody knows they win championships, and they're respected team that stacked in New York City at the time. I had 25 at half. They gave me a standing ovation at Dykeman. In the second half, they started double-teaming me. This is back in the day when I walk in the park, you double it. So I know God was with me at the time because I didn't get a double coverage that whole half. That's why I was allowed to get the 25. It was easy. Second half, they started doubling. All I did was pass to the open man because I knew if I get a shot to the league, I'm not there to score. I'm going to be the 15th man. I'm going to be a 2020 player. I understood this. Those that don't know what a 2020 player is, let me explain. You get in the game whether when you're, if you're up 20 points or down 20 points. I'm going to be a potential third-string point guard. And I understood that. He said to me at the end of that game, I finished with 29. I only scored two buckets because they doubled me the rest of the game. He said, you know what impressed me? Not your 25 at half, your ability to create for others when the double came. I'll be in touch. He went back to Toronto and fought the front office because they're thinking it's just a regular street ball guy coming in. You know, back in those days, people thinking street ball was N1. N1 is the street ball Harlem Globetrotters, mm -hmm. with all due respect. You know, that's just a different type of street ball, and I did everything I could to separate myself from that because. That wasn't my type of basketball. You know what I mean? So, and one did, a, did an incredible job, the company, of marketing themselves as the greatest street ball players in the world and did a tour for that. You know, again, that's the new school globe product. And I wasn't that. You know, I'm a WWE and a real wrestler. I'm not WWE. I'm a real wrestler. But right. it was easy to get to not know the difference if you don't come from street ball culture. Right. 
Yeah, but, um, you know, I seen Ron that summer again, and I saw him in Pro City. So for those who do not want to count street ball, let's go Pro City. Come to college. Well, Pro City. 44. After I knew the year before he couldn't guard me, I knew that he couldn't guard me. Then after that, he like, yo, like, where the homicide dude playing name? He showed up. Two days later, we want to, we tell him to come and together we chill. All right, I'll be there. I'll play that day. Jump on the team to play against me. Look, that lead, that list he put out is an incredible list. Maybe I'm number 11. <laughs> right. Maybe I'm alive. You know what I'm saying? Ron, look, he knows his own list. I'm not mad at the list, but I know what I did. He knows the box. With all due respect, one of the best New Yorkers to do it. We take, I take nothing away from him. But, you know, we're talking stories. You know, we, let's, we talk about it. For sure. For sure. Brother, you gave a lot of insight. You gave a lot of um, wisdom. My last question for you. Um, Andrew Bogut. Australia's finest. Let's talk about it. What'd you say? Let's talk about it. Uh, what, for what he did in, in America coming to the NBA, um, how did people in Australia view it? He wasn't the first. You look at other guys like Luke Longley. Uh, I have a pair of his sneakers that he gave me when I was a kid. I still have them to this day. Um, Bogut is no Longley, however, and Longley is no Bogut. However, uh, Bogut, you know, played in the NBA Finals. He, you know, was a guy that, you know, rehabbed a major injury or two. What does he mean to Australia basketball? Scooby Number one, Radio. shout out to Luke Longley, big fella. Um, great to have him a part of the NBL. He is Australian royalty long before my time, and he continues to be present day. Um, it's great to have him a part of the NBL with the Sydney Kings, and, um, you know, he's happy to be a part in a major way as well. Um, Andrew Bogut is an Australian pillar. Make no mistake, this is a former number one pick. He went to Utah, did his thing, you know, IQ through the roof. One of the best passing bigs ever. Super cerebral with it. Um, a point center, not as far as not bringing the ball off the court, but making decisions like a point guard on the court. Um, defensively, we know what he brings defensively. Um, NBA champion, Australian national team, which is the boomer, Australian boom. I think this would be his fourth Olympic, Olympic trial coming up, Olympic Games, rather. But obviously with coronavirus, it's not going to happen. Um, he's just a pill in the game. And for him to come back into the Australian league after playing in, in, the, in the NBA 13, 14 years, it's an incredible look for Australian basketball in general. And for him to play in the league, like really play, not, uh, you know, I'm just going to come and do a send-off. I played in the league. That's it. He's a legitimate advocate for the league. It means a lot to the league. It means a lot to Australia. It means a lot to the world to let him know that this league is a competitive league. And it's real. Now, with that said, my position here is, you know, I'm an analyst. I'm a broadcaster, and I have an opinion. 
and I call it as I see it. I like to see matchups. You know, for me, you know, um, a lot of people in Australian sport culture, you know, are scared to really speak out and call things as they see it, and they're not as aggressive in the manner that they do it, you know, like we do in America. We call it as we see it, not to mention a New Yorker. You know, a la Skip Bayless, Stephen A., you know, Shannon Sharp, Jalen, Max Kellerman. We're going to call it as we see it, whether you like it or not. And we get caught up in that. He and I, he doesn't like certain things I say. And, you know, me, I keep it basketball. I keep it factual. But, you know, he says what he says, and we go at it, which I believe is healthy for the game. You know, I mean, you shouldn't have a problem. You don't have a problem with me when I'm patting you on the back. And it's not just him, but I'm just saying any player usually don't have problems with guys that give opinion when it's a positive one. So you shouldn't complain about it when it's a negative one. So we go back and forth at it, but it's all good. You know, it's just basketball. I keep it basketball, man. You know? Either way, you know, guys I know usually want to shut a guy up like me when they say something they don't like. So in all actuality, all you're doing is playing harder and playing better. So it just raises the standard of the game. So regardless, it's a win if you ask me. Enough said. Brother, you have given insight, personal experience, knowledge, and more. Uh, I pray that, you know, things go your way uh, moving forward. And, I mean, more than anything else, like, how are you guys confined to your houses in Australia right now? Yeah, we're definitely confined. Um, you know, we don't make any moves unless we're going to the supermarket. You know, um, prayers go out to everybody in the world right now. It's a tough time for everybody. You know, jobs are being lost. Uh, companies are shutting down. You know, the tourist, sports, and entertainment industry are being hit the hardest. You know, um, there's no sport being played anywhere. So it's just a time to reflect and, you know, think about your health and, you know, what really matters. The world is, is suffering right now. We don't have an answer. We do not have an answer. And who knows how long it's going to take till there's an answer. But, you know, all we can do is, is remain positive and, and just keep healthy thoughts in your mind because maybe your body right now is, you know, not moving a lot because, you know, everybody's confined to their home. But, you know, just keep your mind active. Yep. Enough said. Brother, thank you. I appreciate your time. Thank you, Scoop. Appreciate you as well. Scoop B Radio. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. 
Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, folks, I'm Mark Marin from the WTF Podcast, and this episode is brought to you by Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues, your ally to help tackle your allergy symptoms this season. I love the change of seasons, but nobody loves pollen and all those other things floating in the air that make you sneeze during this nice weather. Kleenex Ultra Soft Tissues are hypoallergenic and allergist approved. So fight back against watery eyes and runny noses without worrying about irritating your skin. For this allergy season, grab Kleenex and face allergies head on.